Thank you, Father. Dear Lord Jesus, we ask this morning that you flood our hearts with a revelation knowledge of your Son, Jesus Christ. Fill us with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that we will walk worthy of you unto all pleasing and bearing fruits unto you and increasing in the knowledge of God. Open our eyes and let us see Jesus. And as we behold Jesus, we will change for your glory. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, please be seated. Hallelujah. Are you ready for the word? No, 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 you don't seem excited. Are you ready for the word? Amen. All right, so... Hallelujah. So, we've been on an amazing journey looking at our series How to Detect and Deal with Spiritual Dryness. And I think today is part 13. So last week we began to look at how to deal with dryness. And I need you to listen to me carefully so you don't miss out on anything we are doing here. We dealt with how to deal with dryness. We've already looked at the signs of dryness already. And that is why I always advise that you listen to our podcast teaching so that you can be, um, you can be able to catch up with where we are going. Hallelujah. So, in, a, in the process of how to deal with spiritual dryness, we said number one is prayer. Prayer is one of the most vital activities of the Christian life. And we said one of the ways of dealing with spiritual dryness is the activity or the practice of prayer. Every believer must have a personal, private prayer life. Very important. It 
And you should never be more busier than your prayer life. Don't. No matter how busy you are, you must make sure you maintain a consistent prayer life. Because prayer is what keeps you moving as a believer. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the verse 17, the Bible says, pray without ceasing. Romans 12, 12, the Bible tells us to be instant in prayer. Ephesians chapter 6, the verse 18, the Bible says, praying always with all prayer. So prayer must be a vital part of our Christian lives if we want to live a successful Christian life. Hallelujah. And we've said a lot about that, so I don't want to get more into that. We said the second ingredient for maintaining spiritual nourishment or for overcoming dryness is what we call the Word of God. The Word of God. A constant feeding on the Word of God. And last week, we began to look at some few ingredients in God's Word and we said that God's Word is number one, mirror for reflection, beauty, and spiritual makeup. If you want your life to be beautiful, I'm not just talking about your outward look. I'm talking of your spiritual look because your spiritual look is more important than your outward look. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3, give that to me in the verse um, 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, the verse 3. Now, the Bible says, Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and wearing of gold or putting on of apparel. So the Bible is telling us what true beauty is. So true beauty is not without. Look at the next verse. It tells us what true beauty is. It says, rather let that beauty of yours be the hidden man of the heart. So true beauty is inward. If you have a bad character and you are beautiful on the outside, people won't recognize it. You didn't hear what I just said. It says, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible. Even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. In other words, your spiritual inner beauty is great price towards God. So God values your spiritual beauty and your spiritual makeup. Hallelujah. So I always say, be both inwardly and outwardly beautiful. Hallelujah. Am I teaching good here? So it's, it's a mirror for reflection. We said number two, God's word is water for cleansing. When you stay with the word of God or you read the word of God constantly or you listen to teachings constantly of the word of God, you are cleansed and washed. You begin to live a life and walk a clean life because you are clean. Jesus says, ye are clean because of the words that I've spoken to you. So the word of God is, gives us a spiritual bath. Hallelujah. Number three, we said the word of God is food for the soul. 1 Peter 2, 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. So God's word is food for us. Now, isn't it amazing if I ask anybody here seated um, in this meeting that what you think is the greatest object in the world? I'm sure everybody's going to say some precious jewel or some precious diamond or some car. Or the beautiful towers of Dubai. Or some other very precious, beautiful thing which we think is the most valuable asset on this earth. 
But can I tell you something? No matter how rich you are, no matter how expensive you are, there is an indispensable substance that without it, you can't live. It's food and water. No matter how rich a man is, if he doesn't eat, his food, his wealth won't save him. Are you following this thing? His wealth won't save him. If he's thirsty, his wealth can't can provide it. He has to get water and food. So, are you aware that the most vulnerable object in this physical life is food and water? I shocked you because you thought I was going to say a car. It's food. When you are hungry, you don't think of your car. When you are thirsty, you don't think of your house. You look for water, you look for food. And without them, you can't live. Interestingly, the most spiritual substance a man needs for his survival is the word of God. Because that is your food and your water. So just like a man can survive, he can't live without food and water. In the same way, a spiritual life cannot survive without God's food of his word. So, as we listen to the teachings of God's word, we are eating. That's how we fuel and feed the soul. So, you can starve your soul. Many Christians are starving their soul. Their souls are lean, malnutritioned, quashiocolic. It lacks spiritual ingredients. So, it's affecting their lifestyle. Listen, your lifestyle is a product of the quality of the word you have inside you. I'm telling you. So, life is not automatic. Your lifestyle is the quality of the word. It's an outward expression of the quality of the word you have inside you. How you are living today is as a result of what you have taken inside you. Hallelujah. Number three, which, number four, we said the word of God is weapon for warfare. It is weapon for warfare. We need to understand that we are called for salvation. That is great. That's true. We are called for righteousness. We are called for a holy walk. But we also need to know that we are called for a holy walk. There is a spiritual battle going on whether you are aware of it or not. There's an ongoing warfare whether you want to fight or not. So the earlier you know it and start fighting, the better. You need to understand that the thoughts going through your mind are not normal thoughts. I spoke to you last week in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that the Bible says there are many voices that speak to us every single day. And each one is without significance. So there are many voices in the world today. And those voices are words that come through our thoughts, our hearts, our minds that try to control the reality of God's word in our hearts. And we need to understand that for us to win this war, we got to be stuffed, nourished. We need to have a treasured investment of God's word inside us. Hallelujah. The church is weak today because it is weak at the word. 
The Bible tells us to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to withstand in the evil day. That means there is an evil day awaiting everybody. The day envy begins to crawl in your heart is an evil day. The moment offense begins to knock at your door, it's an evil day. The moment depression begins to knock at your door, it's an evil day. The moment fear begins to knock at your door, it's an evil day. And the only way you can be able to overcome this is when you have a rich resource of the word of God in your spirit. Jesus, who is the word of God, when he was tempted by the devil, you need to understand it was a spiritual battle. Satan was asking him to do something which was outside of God's will. And he had to quote by saying, it is written. And like I told you, this war was not something that was happening outwardly where the devil with two horns was telling Jesus, tell this story to bread. No, it was something that was going on inwardly in his mind. And we need to understand that the, the mind is the battlefield. Your mind is the battlefield. If Satan takes over your mind, he has taken over your life. Listen, this is very important. If Satan succeeds in taking over your mind, he has taken territory over your life. That is how come we combat thoughts that are not of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10 from the verse 3, it says, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What are the strongholds? The next verse says, casting down imaginations. So the battlefield is in our imagination. Pictures the devil gives you. Your mother died of cancer and now you started feeling pains in your stomach and you feel you're going to have stomach cancer. It's a war. So you begin to imagine you begin to imagine it. Uh, am I going to die like my mother? If you don't win that battle with the word in your mind, trust me, you will bring it upon your life. So this is a holy fight. You must fight. The Bible calls the word of God the sword of the spirit. It is the sword of the spirit. So a believer without the word is weaponless. You have no weapon. You have no stand. Ephesians 6, 17 is the sword of the spirit, the rim of God's word. So we study the written word, then the Holy Ghost inspires that written word to become rima, the spoken word which deals with life issues. So you must treasure up more of God's word. Meditate God's word. Let it take root in your heart. Then in time of trouble, the Holy Spirit will take that revelation which you have in your spirit and he will use that word to bring you out of trouble. Every one of us here would definitely pay a price. I've told you there are two kinds of pains. The pain of discipline and the pain of regret. You will surely pay one of these prices. If you don't pay the price to go through the pain of discipline, you will surely go through the pain of regret. Choose the former. When you're studying God's word, it will seem as though you, you are losing your pleasure. Because instead of being on Facebook, you are with your Bible. And if many Christians treat their Bibles like the way they treat Facebook, they would have been better Christians. They don't know we are in a warfare. How much of God's word do you read per day? How much of God's word do you have in your heart? How many times do you read your Bible in a week? Even 
again, if you're not able to read your Bible, because maybe you don't understand. What teachings of the word from, from your ch- the local church are you taking inside you constantly? Hallelujah. We must be rich. I've told you that do you know that your current Christian life is transferable? Many don't know that. As you are growing spiritually, you, you are preparing yourself for your family. Whatever life you are living now is something you are storing up for your future generations. So if you are living your life anyhow, guess what? You are, you are preparing an investment for your future children. I'm teaching good here. So if you don't deal with that last problem, your son will come and inherit it. If you don't deal with that prayerlessness, your children will grow up and come and copy that same lifestyle. If you don't deal with that lifestyle where you don't like going to church, your children will grow up. They will not like church. You are the one who put it in them. You don't know. I'll show you in scriptures today. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5. I was shocked when I saw that. Look, he says 2 Timothy 1 5. Good. He says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is indeed, talking to Timothy, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother and I am persuaded that is indeed also so you can pass on your faith you didn't get this if physically people can pass sickness to their children's children this one died of cancer this one died of cancer this one died of cancer that means you can pass on faith you can pass on spiritual verities my father passed on prayer to me I will pass it on to my son so if you are joking now you are joking with your future children your future family that is what is happening to the church of today we don't know that our spiritual investments are benefiting us in the now and in the future and even in eternity so your laziness is costing someone tell somebody your laziness and excuses is costing someone your unchangeableness is costing someone Tell somebody, your unrepentant heart is costing someone. I'm teaching good. You don't like this message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see it in your eyes. You don't like it. He said that faith, the faith, there is no faith for salvation. It is the content of the Christian life. The the whole content of the Christian life is called faith. He said he passed it on. It, It was from your grandmother, Lois. Your grandmother passed it on to Eunice. And Eunice passed it on. And I'm persuaded that it's also in thee. Oh, look at what Joshua said. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This is a conviction and a decision. I will serve the Lord. I will. So this is a matter of will. Decide that the price that you are paying is not for you. You changing from that quick-tempered lifestyle is not for you. Because if you keep that anger problem, your son will inherit it. That bitterness and easy offense, your children will inherit it. But guess what? If you keep that joy, you'll find all your children in that same joy. Because they saw mama do it. They saw papa do it. They saw my uncle do it. Be a good example. I'm teaching good. You don't like it. I'm persuaded. Hallelujah. Number five, we said the word of God is light and illumination for direction and renewal of mind. Hey, hey. It's light 
an illumination for direction and renewal of mind. I saw a verse in the book of Isaiah that really shocked me. Isaiah chapter 8, the verse 20. Look, he says to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because they have no light in them. In other words, if you don't do your things or you don't live your life according to God's word, it's a sure sign that you don't have light in you. Because what you have in you is what you produce. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible tells us the Holy Ghost will remind us of the things Jesus has taught us. In other words, if you know nothing, he'll remind you of it. Holy Ghost, help me, help me. How many scriptures do you have in your mind? How many treasures have you stored in your heart? How is, what's the quality of your prayer life? So many Christians are disappointed in God, not knowing that God was first disappointed in them. I'm teaching good here. So God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It gives us guidance and direction. You lack direction because you lack the word. As you are studying the word of God, God's word enlightens you. It illuminates you on how your Christian journey should be. How you should relate with your boss, the word of God will teach you. How you should relate with other Christians, the word of God will teach you. It gives you light. Oh, I love the word. I love the word now. What a glory. Number six, we said the word of God is the source of true prosperity. It's the source of true prosperity. Psalm 1 verse 1, it says, Blessed is he that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, when, if a believer decides not to walk according to uh, the counsel of ungodliness or people who are ungodly, that believer is already blessed. To begin with, you deciding not to engage yourself in um, activities of ungodly people is already a blessing. You are blessed. Some people are shy that they are not able to engage in ungodly practices with ungodly men. Because they'll say that, oh, you two, and, oh, I mean, it's just 2% alcohol. Just 2%. I don't want to do it. Ah, what's some papa? Hey. When you say no, you are blessed. Nor standing in the way of sinners, nor seated in the seat of the scornful. Now look at the next verse. He said, but his delight is in what? The law, that God's word is a law. He says his delight, that means your joy, your pleasure. You must find pleasure in the word of God. It's in the law of the Lord and in his law do what he meditate when? Day and night. Look. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also. What are we talking about? Spiritual dryness. His leaf shall not wither. You won't be dry. So when I find you dry, I know the reason. And whatsoever he doeth shall James chapter 1. No, alright. So let's go to um, 3 John chapter 2. 
that John 2. He says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as what your soul prospers. So we prosper and be in good health, even as what our souls prosper. I made a very profound statement last week, and I hope you remember it. Listen carefully. We said that it is illegal for the Christian to prosper beyond his spiritual capacity. It's illegal for a Christian to be more prosperous physically than his, at the expense of his spiritual capacity. It's not right for you. It's not healthy for you. If the prosperity you are enjoying physically is beyond your spiritual prosperity, you are not safe. So there are many people today who are getting more richer physically at the expense of their spiritual wealth. And today, that physical wealth has destroyed them. They have been corrupted. They've been what? Corrupted. I'm teaching good here. So we need to prosper spiritually. When you study God's word, spend time with God's word, you are enriching your soul. That's true prosperity. Because every other prosperity on the outside will never enter in with you into eternity. Not your car. Not your house. In as much as we pray for them, we ask God for them because it makes life easy. And it helps us to expand God's kingdom. In as much as it is true, we will not carry any of these things away with us. I'm teaching good here. And the word of God is the key to it. Number seven, which is actually today's message. The word of God is our ultimate prophet. The word of God is our ultimate prophet. First Timothy chapter 4, the verse 13. The word of God is our ultimate prophet. He says, till I come, give attendance to reading. Oh, this is for us also. We are to give attendance to reading. Like a waitress will give attendance to his client or customer. The Bible is saying that we should give attendance to reading of the word. And to exhortation and to doctrine. Look at the next verse. He says, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given to thee by prophecy, with a laying on of hands by the presbytery. He says, meditate upon these things, which is the word you are studying. Give thyself, what? Holy to them. That thy, that thy, I didn't hear anybody here. That thine, I can't hear you still. That thine, profiting, may appear to all your family members. May appear to who? Oh, you will see that something there is something about you, it will appear to all. Not only that, look at the next verse. He says, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, teaching, continue in. For in doing what this thou shalt save thyself. And them that hear thee. Hey. In other words, one of the advantages you enjoy in God's word is that it saves you, not salvation as in going to heaven. It saves you in life. 
And even in context, according to the verse 1, which spoke of false teaching that would abound, is telling you to save you from false teaching. And it will save others also. Hallelujah. Look on 2 Timothy chapter 3, the verse 15 to 17. It says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which is able to make thee wise unto salvation. For all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And is profitable for, 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 and, and I, I'm, you're, not, you're not saying it, and, and, lastly, so he's saying all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. The word inspiration of God is actually a Greek word theonustos. Theonustos. It's a combination of theo, which is God, and a neustos, the spirit. Or inspiration. So, inspired of God means God breathed into those words. So, the scriptures is, is inspired by God. And the Bible says it is profitable for doctrine. So, there is a profit we have in the word. And one of the profits we have is that it profits us in doctrine. The word doctrine is the Greek word didaskalia, which means teaching. Teaching. So you are taught in God's word. That's one of the benefits or profits you have. You are taught. Praise God. Are you following this thing? You are what? You are taught in God's word. Secondly, it says it's profitable for what? For reproof. The word reproof is conviction. There are many believers who don't have convictions. So anything goes in their life. Check men of conviction. It is difficult to convince them otherwise. When you stick with the word, it begins to redesign your convictions. There are some of you that you, the conviction you have is that if your family is not good, you too will not be good. It's a conviction. Well, that's what you have been persuaded with. Praise God. So, it changes your conviction. Hallelujah. Number three, correction. That's one of the prophets you have from God's word. Correction. Now, the word correction means to straighten up again. So, day in and day out, our life goes crooked. As we study the word, it straightens us. It corrects our life. Amen. The word correction also means rectification. It rectifies you. It also means reformation. It reforms you. It also means restoration to an upright state. It restores you into a right state. Lastly, the word correction also means improvement of character. So when you stick with the word, something will change about your character. And people will notice it. Amen. And number four, he said it is profitable for what? Instruction in righteousness. The word instruction means training. It trains you on how right you should live. So anytime you're going to the word, actually you're going to a gym. 
to be trained into uprightness. In other words, you cannot live righteously without the agency and potency of the word. Oh Lord, I want to live to please you. How will you do that? Oh Lord, I want to live a righteous life. How will you do that? God's word will instruct you into righteousness. And this is not just referring to the gift of righteousness. But on how right that word there is, it also means equity. How righteously you should live. I'm teaching good. Quickly. Number eight. God's word is a seed that bets fruit in our lives. God's word is a seed that bears fruits in our lives. James chapter 1, the verse 21. But first of all, before we go there, come to 1 Peter chapter 1, the verse 23. Please write these scriptures and read them this week. I repeat that every time here. All right. He says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So the word of God is a seed. And James 1.21 adds to it. it. In fact, it makes it more beautiful. He says, wherefore, lay apart all filthiness. This is speaking to the Christian. A Christian can be with filth in his heart. He says, lay it aside. And superfluity of naughtiness. There is naughtiness in the soul of every believer. Depending on his level of growth and maturity. Superfluity of naughtiness. That's why you can find a Christian behaving in a way you are wondering. Is this guy a Christian? Yes, he is. But he has not dealt with the naughtiness and the filth. So you can find a Christian who can insult. Nanuya. he can't say sorry he has not dealt with the naughtiness that filth that is there he has not dealt with it he doesn't forgive people me, I won't forgive him what he has done, even Jesus if he was on earth, he won't forgive you are corrupting your heart He says, receive with meekness. Are you seeing the process? He says, first of all, lay apart filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness. So, you have to remove these things from your heart. Then you can be able to receive. In other words, the reason why many Christians are not able to receive is because they are still keeping these things there. Listen. If you've not dealt with your heart, the word of God cannot deal with you. And receive with meekness. That means there is a way we receive the word of God. How do we receive it? With meekness. With humility. It is God talking to me. I must tremble at the word of God. We receive God's word with meekness. Well, the pastor is right, but I mean... There's a problem. He doesn't understand the situation. 
if you understand the situation, he himself will agree with me. Uh -uh. That's why I don't want to understand the situation. We receive the word with what? Meekness. Humility. Oh, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Admit it. I'm wrong. That's what the word of God should do in your heart. Oh Lord, I'm, I admit it. Some of you, you should be saying sorry by now. In your heart. Brad Joe, you say you're forgiving. Hallelujah. Which is able. Able. So the word of God has an ability. It is able to save your soul. Listen, man is, is a spirit. He has a soul and he lives in the body. When you got born again, it was not your body that was saved. That's why the scars on your body is still there. Is there anybody who got born again and his hips increased by two inches? So if you're going to look on the outward to determine salvation, you will never be saved because everything on your body is still intact. So if you are, if you are four inches tall, you still remain the same. So it was not your body that got saved. In fact, it was not your soul that got saved. It was your spirit that got saved. If any man be in Christ, he is one, a new creature. That new creature is in your spirit. Your soul is a makeup of your mind, your will, and your emotion. It was not transformed after salvation. That's why the bad thoughts you still had in your thoughts before you got born again is still there. That stinginess is there. That quick temperedness is still there. That envy is still there. That lies, lies is still there. But it is your duty through the help of the Holy Spirit to save your soul. And we do it by the engrafted word of God. It must be engrafted. The ultimate destination of the word of God is in your heart. Translating in life. I'm helping someone here. Have you forgotten the Bible says a farmer went to sow some seeds? Huh? And some fell upon what? The path. Some fell upon what? Stones. Some fell upon what? Thongs. And the last group fell on what? Good soil. You need to, you need to, you need to get this thing. There was nothing wrong with the seed. The problem was the soil. Do you know the seed in Matthew 13 that bore fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold was the same seed that fell on the path. It was the same seed that fell on the rocks and the same seed that fell upon the tongues. It was the same seed. But guess what? It produced different results. So you see, the word of God which we preach is the same word which we preach to everybody. But the problem is not the word. The problem is the heart that receives it. That's why the same lecturer will lecture the same students of about 800 in one class and yet only 50 will pass. <laughs> At the end of graduation, only few will come to the front for first class. Is it because the lecturers were poor in teaching? No! Same quality! But different effect. Today I'm teaching you why the word of God is not producing results. It's not from the word. It's not from the preacher. 
is from the receiver. He says the one that fell upon the path are those who hear the word of God and do not understand it. And quickly, the enemy comes to steal the word. You just had today's teaching. You thought you have understood it. So when you went, your notebook, some of you, your notebook eh, is a monument. It's a citation. You don't read through. You have to keep reading. You go through the notes when you go home this evening. But you go and watch Spartacus. You can watch movies. You can watch La Spadora. You can watch... Yeah. You can watch some movies. Some, some songs with just... On your way going home now, nah, on your way, you'll go, you are listening to Ashikele. <laughs> on your way, you just put on the radio and it fell on a station. Abibaye. Then you start, Abibaye. Then you responded, Abiba would delete the word. <laughs> Abiba. Abibaba. there's a certain attitude we give towards the word. As you are going home on your way, you are pondering over it. It's your responsibility. I gave you the seed. You must water the seed. You must remove the weeds because tomorrow weeds will come on that seed. Praise God. The Bible says the one that fell upon, the, there were pastors that fell upon the, the rock. He said these are people who have allowed the curse of this world the worries of this world, the desire to be rich, things are not working for me. So because of that, I have lost appetite for the word. What's wrong with you? It is the same word you are reading that will change that situation. If you don't know. So you have neglected the word of God and you are worrying about things that you can't solve by your strength. Ask someone sitting beside you, what kind of heart do you have to receive? What kind of heart? There are some of you, when you are preaching the word, you have already picked out what you obey and what you know obey already. You have picked it up. This one, vroom, out. This one, okay, I can manage it. This one, vroom, out. It doesn't work that way. Oh, I'm, I'm teaching God. I know. Romans chapter 8, verse 6. You know what the Bible said? He said, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So, the kind of mind you are entertaining, the mindsets you have, if you have carnal mindset, you produce death in your Christian life. So, the believer must be spiritually minded at all times. And the word of God keeps you spiritually minded. Hallelujah. So you need to understand this. Your faith, hope, love, patience, self-control. It's all in a seed form as you hear the word of God. The more you spend time with it, it begins to grow. So your faith can grow. Your love can grow. Patience can grow. So all these things we are, you are, we are teaching you is in a seed form. 
if you don't keep watering and staying with it, it will die off. Am I helping? Quickly, let's go to the next model. What the word of God does to you? What the word of God does to you? Quickly, let's read some few scriptures before we go into that. Psalm 19, the verse 7 to 14. It's an interesting verse. I just love it too much. When you go home, it's your homework. Look, it's too beautiful. This is teaching us a secret. What the word of God is going to do to us. Look, he says, for the law of God. Anytime you see the commandment of God, the law of God, the word of the Lord, it's all talking of the word of God. Are you following? Look, he says, the law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. So if you want your soul to turn, converted, he says you should listen to the word because that word is perfect. Do you know what it means? It means the word can give you perfect counsel. If it's a marital crisis, the best counsel you can get is from the word. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making the wise. Making wise the simple. You know who a simple person is? Not you like the way I've dressed. Simple. That's not the word simple there. The word simple there is foolish. He says the word is sure. Making wise the simple. Maybe you don't believe me. Give that to me in NLT. Let them see it. Quickly. Oh, NLT is simple. Give me amplified. Let's amplify it here. Oh, give me message. Ah, give me NIV. Let's see. After, if it doesn't come, then we'll continue. When you go home, go and check the Greek. That Greek word there means foolish. Okay. So he says, come back to uh, KJV. So he says, making wise the foolish. Do you know that there are people who are academically wise, but spiritually foolish? So, Never confuse academic intelligence with spiritual intelligence. There are some who are physically bonbon, but spiritually they understand the intelligence. And that man is higher than you. Because Let's continue. Next verse. He says the statutes of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. So if you want your heart to start rejoicing, stay with the word. The commandment of the Lord is pure and lightening the eyes. Next verse. He says the fear of the Lord is clean and during forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Look at that verse 10. He says more to be desired are they than gold. Yeah, much fine gold, sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. Listen, the word of God is more precious than any valuable asset you can ever possess. It is more precious than gold. Do you know what it means to listen to a word of God, to listen to a tape, to read the word of God, to read a devotion, to take your Bible and read? Do you know what you're doing? <laughs> 
Oh my goodness. Look at the next verse. David said, Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. So the word of God gives you warning that this life that you're living is not going to help you. It teaches you. It, it will give you that warning. He says, keeping of them, there is when you keep the word of God, there is reward. Not just reward, but what? Great reward. When it's 10.5, I'll let me, I'll stop wherever I am. We'll pray. So 10.5, please remind me. Hallelujah. I'm teaching good here. Now, quickly, the first thing the word of God does to you. Number one, it establishes you in Christ. Let's do it quickly. It establishes you in Christ. We need to understand that every believer is in Christ, but few believers are grounded and rooted in him. We read the book of Psalm 1, the verse 1 to 3, which says that whose delight is in the word of God, which he doeth meditate upon day and night. And the Bible says he shall be like a tree planted by the river. This is someone who is nourished. Someone who is established and firm. So the word of God grounds you. Look at Colossians chapter 2, the verse 6. Look, he says, and therefore as you have received Christ, Jesus our Lord, so walk in him. Next verse. The verse 6 to 8. It says, rooted and built up in him. So, it is one thing to be in Christ and it's another to be rooted and built in him. The word rooted is an agricultural term. In other words, rooted like a tree. The word built up is an architectural term which speaks of a building. So we are to be rooted like a tree and grounded like a building in God's word. In Christ Jesus. If you are not, if you are not firm in Christ, you'll be easily moved in Christ. That's why you must be firm. There are people today who say they don't believe in Christ again. I know their problem. They are not rooted. They come to church and warm the pew. They come to church to make their conscience feel good. But they don't have time for the word of God. They don't allow it to take root in their heart. So they easily sway away. Please allow God's word to root you. Number two, it builds you and gives you God's inheritance. It hands it over to you. Acts chapter 20, the verse 32. He says, Brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among them that are sanctified. It's interesting. So God's word has the capacity to build a man and gives you God's inheritance. So listen, you can have an inheritance and yet not, not have it. It can be yours and yet not yours. Because it takes, it takes knowledge, understanding to be able to receive what belongs to you in Christ. There are people who are being tormented by demons left, right, center. Not because Christ has done nothing, but because they simply don't get the inheritance that they have in Christ. Number three, it gives you knowledge of God's mindset. 
It gives you knowledge of God's mindset. We need to understand that the word of God does not only come to inform us. It comes to tell us how God thinks. When, when you hear the word or you read the word, it's not giving you just an information. It's telling you how God, God thinks. The mindset of God. So God's word gives you an information of how he thinks. This is how God thinks. Love is patient. That is how God thinks. So we become God-minded. We become God-like. We become godly. Why? Because we think his thoughts. Praise Jesus. So it gives you knowledge. Someone says, I don't like reading. Man of God, I just don't like reading. What should I tell you? Have you read PMP before? You know PMP, they put some wild things there. Man butchers husband. Uh, wife butchers husband. The moment you see that, very long article, but because of concern, you were able to finish a long article, then you realize it was a very useless story. But you have read it, right? How come you're not able to read the word of God? The best story ever. The word of God is breaking news. The word of God is news headlines. The word of God, oh my goodness. Many of you listen to Joy FM, yeah, there's no joy in your life. Peace FM, yeah, there's no peace. I think, yeah, there's no feeling. But the real joy is here. The real peace is here. The real faith is here. Hallelujah. It's here in the word. Romans 8, 6 and 7. He says, for to be spiritually minded is death. But for, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. Look at the next verse. He says that because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Mm. The word enemy there, enmity means an, op an opposite. It means an opposer. When, when you, you think thoughts that are not in line with God's word, you are opposing God in your life. What kind of thoughts do you have? What will you trade for the word of God? Oh, what will you trade for that word? That precious word of God. Oh my goodness. Hmm. I'm teaching good here. Oh, you don't like what I'm saying, right? Romans chapter 12, the verse 2. <laughs> he says, be not conformed to this world. So a believer can conform. He can behave like unbelievers. There are many believers who are conforming. The world is now educating us. The world is teaching us how we should live. The world tells you, if your husband is worrying you, right? That's what you watch in some of the uh, telenovelas. They teach you how to run your marriage. Meanwhile, God's word will tell you to pray for him. So now, what is happening to believers is that, is that they are conforming to the patterns of the world. The world is training them. The world is giving them an education. 
And the devil is so, so dangerous that he has set up many systems that educate people. So many systems. He has, he has a headquarters on Facebook, on Twitter, on radio, everywhere. Teaching us something every day. He says, but be what? Transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That ye may be able to prove that which is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Oh. Hey. You want to be transformed. Change your mindset daily with the word of God. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 3, the verse 5 to 8. I'm giving you so many scriptures to give you work for the week. Apostle Paul said, circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of Hebrews, and then touching the law, a Pharisee. Next verse. He was giving his credential. He said, concerning zeal, I was persecuting the church. Touching the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless. That was his CV. Next verse. He says, but what things were gained to me? Those I count loss for Christ. Huh. Paul gave you all his credentials, his certificate, his qualification. This guy was a lawyer. He was a tent maker. He was a Pharisee. Yet he says, those things I count loss for Christ. I'm not saying you should lose your, your title or your certificate. I don't, I'm not saying go and burn it. But in your heart, determine that Christ is your ultimate. Look at the next verse. He says, yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss. For what? For what? For what? For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do not count them but dang, that I may win Christ. Do you know that in salvation Christ won us but in our Christian life we do everything to win him for the excellences excellences of the knowledge of Christ hey ask someone what's your pursuit Next, quickly, let's do it quickly. Number four, the word of God is life and health. The word of God is what? Life and health. Psalm 4, the verse 20 to 22. Psalm 4, the verse 20 to 22. The book of Psalm, chapter 4, the verse 20. Some, uh, sorry, Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, the verse 20. Now, watch that. So you can make that correction. Proverbs chapter 4, the verse 20. He says, my son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Next verse. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Next verse. For they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. So you don't only benefit in the life you gain from the word. You also benefit in health. 
Listen, the word of God in your spirit is faith. The word of God in your soul is transformation. The word of God in your body is health. Meditate on the word of God. I heard of an account of um, the late father of Joel Austin, who was one of the mega churches in the world today. The mother, who was the wife of the late John Austin, she was diagnosed of cancer. And she had only eight days to live. Guess what? She went to gather 40 scriptures on life and health and healing. And she said, I have eight days to live. Okay, let's see. After eight days, if I die, I perish, right? If I perish, I perish. She started meditating on the word, confessing the word, eating the word, nourishing her soul with the word. She did that continuously on the eighth day. The eighth day moved to one month. One month moved to six months. Six months moves to one year. One year moves to ten years. She was still alive. We have a secret. We have a secret. It's the word. Listen, if you meditate on the word of God, right now what is happening to the world? The world is getting more darker by the day. Now doctors are even struggling to find out how to cure this coronavirus. Many cures have come. They even gave us first injection. We we're waiting for the second one. And they said the second one is not there. So they brought a new one. They said they've canceled the first one. So you see, we are now test tubes. They are testing our bodies. And they said, listen, they said, when you are injected with a vaccine, still wear your nose mask because you can still get it. Is that a vaccine? It's a what? Passing. There is no solution. The world, see, the world is confused today. I'm telling you. The only thing that can guarantee us that assurance is the word of God. And the word of God tells us to take the communion. If you obey that, you keep taking the communion, you'll be surprised. A thousand shall fall on your side and ten thousand on your right hand. But the Bible said, it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes will you behold the reward and the fall of the wicked. Listen, we cannot die like the wicked, I'm telling you. Because the life we have is not normal. But we must feed that life. We must see what you must grow in today is growing faith. They said, Corona is killing everybody, not me, not me, not me. Ah, ah, not me. Do you know Egypt was in, was, uh, uh, Israel was in Egypt? Yet whatever happened, all the plagues that happened to Egypt, did not happen to them. You know why? Because they were in a place called Goshen. The word Goshen means presence. If you stay with God's word, if you stay in God's presence, you can be exempted from the things that is going on in the world. You can. Stay. Hallelujah. John 6, verse 63. He says, the word that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Quickly, number five. The word of God rebukes you and corrects you. It rebukes you and what? It corrects you. We have explained that already. So next one. The word of God makes you look more like Jesus. It makes you look more like Jesus. All right. Add 
10 minutes to read. It makes you look more like Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It's so painful though. I'll get you like this again after seven days. Hey, yo. Let's continue. But we all with an unveiled open face, beholding as in a mirror or a glass, the glory of God, are what? Changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit. Listen, you make the work of the Holy Spirit very easy when you stay with the Word. Because we need to understand that prayer is you talking to God. Reading and studying the Bible or listening to God's Word is God talking to you. They are not the same. When you pray, you are talking to Him. When you stick with the Scripture, study the Word or listen to a teaching like this, who is talking to you? God is talking to you. They are not the same. Quickly, next one. It makes you spiritually wise. Alright, quickly. It brings your soul. Next one. It brings your soul under the lordship of Christ. It brings your soul under the lordship of Christ. Which means soon you begin to live a surrendered life. It takes away your will. It makes you yield to the will of God. Hallelujah. Quickly, let's look at our final model. Let's do this in five minutes. Our attitude towards the word of God. There's a certain attitude you must apply to the word. Without that attitude, the word of God will not come alive to you. If you want to get results from the word of God, there's an attitude you must, you must show towards his word. Can I teach you? Alright. Quickly, number one. Read the Bible with a deep, solemn conviction. Read the Bible with a deep, solemn conviction that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. So read your Bible or listen to a teaching or study the Bible with a deep conviction that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. What am I saying? What I'm saying is that we need to have a certain conviction when you're reading the Bible that the Bible was, is, is, is God's material. It was written by men, yet it was inspired by God. In 2 Peter chapter 1, the verse 20 to 21, the Bible tells us that no scripture is of private interpretation. No human being decided to sit down and write his words. So the Bible says we need to know that first of all, prophecy of scripture is not of private interpretation. For prophecy came not of old time by the will of man. So what I'm preaching to you is not my will. He says, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So when you are studying the word of God, have this conviction that it is not man speaking to you. It is God who inspired the word and God is the one speaking to you. If you don't have that conviction, you, you slightly dishonor God's word in your heart. So you must know that it's a king talking to you and a king must be respected. You don't have a choice. I'm teaching good. 
In other words, what I'm saying is that you must give reverence to the word of God. Give reverence to the word of God. That's why I cannot be teaching and you are whatsapping. You don't respect the word of God. When you hear the word of God and it convicts your heart, don't harden your heart. It is God talking to me. Don't look at the vessel. Don't look at the vessel. You will miss it. I am just the vessel being used of God. So look at God speaking words of life. Hallelujah. Look at what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 13. How believers must receive the word of God. Look. He says, the 1 verse 13. 13. Let me get it here. First Thessalonians chapter 1, the verse 13. First Thessalonians 1 13 is there. Check your, your application well. First Thessalonians chapter 2, the verse 13. Okay. Hey, no, it's okay. Okay, 2 13. <laughs> For this cause also, we thank God without ceasing. Because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us. Look. Look. He says ye received it, not as the word of men. So there are two ways you can receive the word of God. You can receive it as a word of man. Or or the word of God. He says you received it not as the word of man, but as in truth, the what? The word of God. Then what? When which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So if you receive God's word as God's word, then it begins to what? Work effectively in you. Number two, deepen your desire for God's word. That's the second attitude towards God's word. Deepen your desire towards God's word. Deepen your desire towards God's word. People think that spiritual hunger is automatic. Now, it is true that we are born hungry. Every baby is born hungry. That's why they come out crying for food. But you need to understand some mechanism about our spiritual life. Your spiritual hunger can die. Amen? And you need to listen to this. Our hunger increases because we eat. Our hunger increases because what? Because we eat. So if you want to increase in your hunger for the word of God, what do you do? You study the word of God. So listen to this. Nothing can make us hungry for scripture more than scripture itself. Nothing can make us hungry for scripture more than scripture itself. So the more scripture, the more hunger for scripture. That's why we must read the word of God prayerfully. Listen, if you want to increase your appetite for the word of God, anytime you're about to listen to a teaching or you're about to read your devotion or you're about to read your Bible, you have to pray first. Many of you just open the Bible. That's why you don't get anything from it. This book is a holy book. It must, it must be attended to with reverence. 
Is God about to talk to you? So he said, God, thank you, Jesus. I want, I pray the Lord you enlighten my understanding. I want to know you more. Teach me your ways. So you start by praying before you realize your desire for the word of God and your appetite will begin to get activated. Am I teaching good? Quickly, number three. Don't only read the Bible. Study it. Don't only study the Bible. Meditate on it. And don't only meditate on the Bible. Memorize it. So I've just spoken about how many things? Four things. In other words, I'm saying that read the Bible, study the Bible, meditate on the Bible, and memorize the Bible. These are four key keys to becoming strong in the word. It's an attitude. So now, someone says, how do I study it? If you are listening to a teaching like this, it is called Bible study. That's why I'll quote scriptures. Then you also open it when you are in your household. You also open it, then you read it. Sometimes you pause the audio. Then you go through all that chapter. You say, wow, this is deep. Amazing. When you are done with it, then you, you begin to locate one powerful one that really caught your heart. Then you begin to meditate on that particular one. You ponder over it. You think over it. Wow, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. That's why I, that means I can conform. Wow. Wow. Lord, teach me to conform to your word. Help me, Lord, to know your will. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. You start meditating. New creation. So I'm new. So that means I'm not ordinary. Mm. You are doing all these things in your mind, though. Wow. Love is patient. Mm. You start meditating on it. Patient. What does it mean to be patient? Mm. Lord, teach me to be patient. All these things going on inside you. So after you see, you can easily memorize a verse you have meditated on. When you meditate on a word, it gets into your heart. So memorizing doesn't become a problem. You must memorize scriptures. Listen, one of the ways you can keep this mind occupied from all other voices is to memorize the scriptures. Even if you're at work, write down some scriptures. Find some small diary or some small jotter. You can write your favorite scriptures inside. As I'm teaching, all the verses I'm quoting, you write the ones that caught your attention. Then you discern that this week I'm memorizing three scriptures. So on your way going to work, instead of watching the road and the cocoa sellers around and the watches sellers and they'll all be giving you different, different kind of scent and the driver will be insulting one. Wait to me, wait to me, to me. Fear. So these people, they are foolish. Oh. <laughs> then you are wasting all the time. You are wasting your eyes. You are wasting your ears. You are hearing things that don't profit you. Use that time to meditate. You know, when I find a Christian say, I don't have time, I shall give you. So what do you do in your one hour moving to work? What do you do? That's time. What do you do with traffic? That's time. You, you simply don't have an excuse. You don't want to do it. The Bible says we should pray everywhere. So if you are late to work, you can pray in the car. You can pray in your office. Pray everywhere. Meditate and memorize scriptures. Your friends will come and see you. Mm. Okay. 
if any man be in Christ, he is a new create, create, create. Oh, open it. Read through again. He's a new creation. Shit. Okay. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Ah, you are getting it here. Gradually. Memorize more scriptures. Memorize it more. You are developing and training yourself. Are you following this thing? You are what? Developing and training yourself gradually. When you memorize more scriptures, it gives you authority. It gives you confidence. It helps you to remember the word of God. Hallelujah. Number four. Read the Bible daily and do not close it until you know at least one thing God will have you to do in response to your reading. I'll say that again. Don't only read the Bible. Sorry. Read the Bible daily and do not close it until you know at least one thing that God will have you do in response to your reading. This is an attitude though. So now you will not read the Bible and just fulfill all righteousness and close the Bible now. Because you are reading the word to have the word. So read it daily. And don't close it until what? You know at least one thing that God will have you do in response to your reading. I'll give an example. Something new in a sense of some new belief system. It should change your mindset or something. A new habit. A prayer to offer. There's something you can read the word of God. It gives you a prayer topic. Pray it. A phone call to make. There are sometimes you, by the time you are done reading the Bible, the Holy Spirit has convicted you. Now you have to take the phone, text somebody and say, you are sorry. Are you following what I'm saying? Or you call someone and check on the person. Or a discipline to practice. So you have to read the Bible for application and not merely for information. Read the Bible for application and not merely for what? Information. Finally, study the word of God in the spirit of an unreserved surrender to obey. Study the word of God in the spirit of an unreserved surrender to obey. Study the word in the spirit of an unreserved surrender to obey. So God's word which is not obeyed is useless. And many don't, don't apply this attitude towards the word of God. We are standing it so that we will apply it. Not just so that we will know it. But so that it becomes a part of our lives. So we study the word of God so that we will surrender to his obedience. Hallelujah. So we need to apply this attitude anytime we are with God's word.
Am I teaching you good? So tomorrow, uh, next week, you're going to look at um, the next way of dealing with spiritual dryness. We're going to look at fasting and then some other very important points. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.